Last night we talked about the benefits or the goals of the practice of meditation. There's some pretty lofty aims. So. Some pretty hefty goals to aspire towards. Purification of the mind, overcoming all mental defilements. So the next question is, well, what do we do? What, what can we do or, or how do we progress to attain these goals? What do we mean by progress? How do we measure our progress? the question that meditators always want an answer to. How to tell how far we've progressed. Am I on the right track? Am I doing well? we want to know how, our, how, our, how successful we are, we can look at the goals and see how, how close we are to the goals. But sometimes it's not clear. Sometimes we don't know. We can't see how much purity and how much defilement we have in mind. And even if we can see, we still have to know how to go forward, how to move closer to the goal. What do we do that, what is it that we do that brings us closer to the goal? So we have to understand the path, we have to understand the path of progress. One way of explaining and understanding the Buddha's teaching, the path of the Buddha, is coming closer to the core of, of existence or the essential quality of existence, moving away from that which is unessential. And trying to attain the essence so the meaning is that there's a great amount in this world that is unessential or another way of putting it is leading nowhere leads to no end leads to no benefit This is the path of addiction, craving more and more and chasing after sensual desires, sensual pleasures. It leads us on and on and on and 
builds up and could build up forever for as long as we can build it up until finally we at one some point can't attain what, what we strive for and then it all comes crashing down and we can build and build and build and, and then it's finished all of the development work that we do in the world to build the world, to build society, all the same So what is it that's essential? Even living the life of a monk as living a life of poverty and chastity and renunciation of simplicity. Even still we have to wake up in the morning, we have to go into the village for food every day, every day. No, and this is this is not the essential. Some people think becoming a monk, then this is you've reached the goal, you've reached the pinnacle of existence, but you really haven't. This isn't the es essence. A monk's life is just a life. You still have to wear clothes. You still have to go for food. You still have to eat and use the washroom. You still get old, sick, and die. So out of all of, of existence, all of life, what is the essence? What is it that is essential? The Buddha gave us very clear teaching on what is essential. It's very much a core of the Buddha's teaching that we hear about quite often. It's five things. Morality, this is essential. Concentration or focus, this is essential. Wisdom is essential. Uh, and liberation and the knowledge of liberation. These five things are essential. This is what we understand to be the essence of existence. And it goes back to what we were talking about uh, what I've, I talked about earlier about how when your mind is pure, when you when you develop in this way, because these are things that anyone can have. It's not a specifically Buddhist or monastic or uh, it's it's not specific to any one group of people or any type of person. It's the essence, and everything else is unessential. You can be a monk, you can be a lay person, but to find the, the essence of existence, and to put, to put it another way, to, to find success in the practice, and to find, to reach the goals that we talked about yesterday, to find true peace and happiness and freedom from suffering. We need these five things. So first we need morality. What does morality mean? Well, on the one hand, it means we have to keep precepts. We have to at least keep the five precepts. Better if we can keep the eight precepts, or even the ten, or, or the monastic precepts. 
This is a way of ordering our minds, ordering our lives to keep ourselves out of trouble so we don't say or do bad things. But they're really just fence posts. The rules are really just fence posts. It's up to us to fill in the gaps. If you just put fen fence posts down, you can't keep animals in, you can't keep uh, you know, anything corralled up. You need a fence. Morality, the, the rules are not a fence. No matter how many rules you take or practices or you know, even taking the ascetic practices, these are just fence posts. They don't really stop you from doing and saying bad things or things that you regret later. The fence is the fence of mindfulness. So everything starts with mindfulness. When you walk and know that you're walking, when you talk and know that you're talking, when you're aware of what's going on in your body and with your speech and in your mind. This is where more true morality starts. When you catch yourself wanting to say this, wanting to say that, wanting to do this, wanting to do that, and you stop yourself. And eventually clarify your mind through mindfulness to the point where you don't want to do or say things that are a source of regret. So even just walking in meditation, we're, we're developing morality, we're changing our behavior, our character, doing away with all sorts of um, bad character traits. All of the things that we know in our lives that we regret or that we feel we don't like about ourselves, we do away with them in the meditation practice. We make our minds clearer and calmer. We do away piece by piece with anger and greed and delusion. So we don't do things that are regrettable or say things that we regret later. This is morality. Focus. Focus means you can practice training your mind to focus on a single object, to fix your mind on something. But this is a kind of, of artificial focus, artificial concentration, because everything else is excluded. It can be useful in the beginning, but eventually we want to be able to be in focus all the time, so our mind is in clear focus no matter what we do, no matter what we uh, encounter. And we gain this through meditation as well. When we're walking and know that the foot is moving, we're clearly focused on the foot. And we teach ourselves to be clearly focused so there's no arising of liking, disliking, drowsiness, distraction, doubt. There are no bad thoughts. Either. Don't have to talk anymore about doing or saying bad things. With, with a focused mind, when your mind is sees clearly everything, every experience. There doesn't even arise greed or anger or delusion in the mind. So it's not possible for there to arise bad uh, speech or bad deeds. clear. We get this simply from walking. 
And from sitting, when you watch the stomach rising and falling, you know the rising, you know the falling. When you teach yourself this way of interacting with reality, with everything, with your thoughts, with your emotions, with your feelings, with things you hear and see and taste and smell and feel and think. And you purify your mind and your mind becomes clear and set on clarity. When this happens, it leads to the third one, is wisdom. The development of wisdom, you can read books or you can listen to talks and you can gain some sort of intellectual appreciation of the truth, but that's not the same. You can see it's not the same as experiencing it for yourself. When you experience it for yourself, you realize that all of the book learning, all of the study that you've done was something like the peel of the apple. Such a very small and, and meaningless or, or insignificant part of the, the apple, of the truth, part of, of, of wisdom. When you realize the true wisdom, that comes from meditation practice. And then you understand the difference. So how does this come in meditation? When you when you see things clearly, you change the way you look at at, at all objects of experience. The things that you used to like and were attached to, you see how meaningless it was. How there was nothing there of any value of any significance. The things that you were partial towards, there's nothing intrinsically uh, better about them, intrinsically attractive about them. You realize how much suffering comes from clinging to things that are insubstantial. The things that you were averse towards or afraid of, you come to see that there's nothing to be afraid of. There's, there's nothing there to be afraid of. And there's nothing here to be afraid. There's no I that we have to protect. The whole, when we have pain and we don't like the pain, we come to see that there's no I who, who, who is receiving the pain. There's no being who is feeling the pain. So there's nothing to avoid. There's... there's nothing being afflicted by the pain. It's just arising and ceasing. It's an experience. So, given that there's nothing afflicting, you naturally lose any idea of being angry at it or upset about it. In, in brief, you come to see impermanence, that everything inside of you and in the world around you is changing. It's not substantial. It has no essence. You see that everything inside of you and in the world around you is suffering. It's not, uh, it's, it's not painful in and of itself, but when you cling to it, it's, it's like fire. When you try to adjust it or fix it or make it or change it in any way, you, you, you only meet with stress and aggravation. And that everything inside of us and in the world around us is uncontrollable. It doesn't belong to us. 
It isn't an entity or a self. It doesn't belong to any entity or self. It's just experience. It arises and ceases. It comes and goes. And so you stop trying to cling, you stop trying to change, you stop trying to uh, hold and, and fix. And you really do just let things go as they're going to go. You interact rather than react. When this comes, you're free. This is the fourth essence, fourth essential reality. The Buddha said, Panyaya Parisujati. It's through wisdom that we become pure. The freedom that we're looking for. When you have the purity of mind, you become free from all defilements of mind. This is true freedom. When we talk about freedom, we always think of, I can do anything, then I'm free. But you can already do anything. You can develop in any way, but this is unessential. It doesn't lead anywhere. Whether you do something or don't do something, it's really of no consequence. When you do something, you're still existent. It's still existent. You haven't changed that fact. But when you understand existence, then you're free. Then nothing in existence can harm you. If someone tries to hurt you or if something comes that causes harm to you, you know that there's nothing being harmed. There's only the experience and it arises and ceases. So you're not afraid. You see that there's nothing to be afraid of. And the final essence or essential reality that we strive for is the knowledge, this reassurance that we have. Buddha said this is the fifth one, is just kind of the, the final stage where after becoming free you know that you're free. And this is the stage of enlightenment, when one is aware and knows for oneself that they have become free from all suffering and stress where they're able to live in the world or live uh, encounter any kind of existence or experience without suffering or stress without attachment or clinging without aversion or desire or delusion So how these come about, once wisdom arises, then naturally the mind begins to let go. And you can see this already when you begin to practice. You see that there's a clinging in the mind and when you focus on it you change the way the mind, the mind's understanding of the experience or you bring about understanding until the mind is clear about the experience. But as you continue, do this continuously, develop this quality, eventually the mind completely lets go of reality. There's this final release where the mind lets go. 
enters into a state that is free from the arising of, of mundane experience or the arising of uh, seeing or hearing or smelling or tasting or feeling or thinking. It's free from all of that. It's like released. And after that experience there arises this knowledge that one has entered into this experience, that one has had this experience. And the mind is immediately falls into this comparison, the knowledge of the difference between that state and the ordinary state of experience. And this is what leads to enlightenment. There's clarity, clarity there's clear knowledge in the mind that what was experienced is true happiness and true peace. And that any any happiness or peace that people claim to exist in the world could never compare to that peace and that happiness. There's unshakable knowledge and and vision in this in this fact. This is what leads to enlightenment and knowledge of enlightenment. Because one has experienced for oneself the true peace and happiness, which is the freedom from the arising of experience. When one has that peace and that happiness, one never, never strives or can never believe that there would be another kind of peace or happiness greater than it. Because any other peace or happiness is always dependent on arisen phenomenon coming and going. And can never truly satisfy. So this is the this is the the path and the progress. In the beginning of our practice we, we develop morality, so we try to catch ourselves when we're going to say or do bad things or things that we'll regret later. When we've done things that we regret then we say, Okay, so next time I'm gonna be careful and watch myself and try to be mindful of that. Be mindful before I fall into that. Once we continue that and again and again, bringing our mind back to the foot, back to the hand, keeping our mind with the object, we develop focus and concentration. Once we develop focus and concentration, we begin to see things clearly. The defilements and the hindrances in the mind disappear, wanting this, wanting that, disliking this, disliking that, drowsiness, distraction, doubt. They all leave the mind. Once they leave the mind, the mind is able to see the objects of experience clearly. Once one sees clearer and clearer and develops wisdom, the mind eventually lets go. Once the mind lets go, there's cessation and then the knowledge that cessation has occurred. That knowledge is the knowledge of enlightenment. This is the progress of the path. In, quite in brief, but it's a teaching of the Buddha on what is the essential aspect of, of existence, those things that are essential. So. This is important to keep in mind when we think about what we're going to do today, tomorrow, for our lives, and what, what we want to do as, uh, as monastics or as lay people. Uh, we see what is most important, most essential, and try to find a way to devote ourselves to these things. So it's worth appreciating that, that we, uh, everyone, uh, all of us, 
that we can be confident in ourselves, confident of ourselves, uh, proud of ourselves in a sense, that we have taken up the practice of meditation and here we are coming together to meditate every day, every day. We can feel good about the fact that at least to some extent we're developing these essential qualities of mind, morality, concentration, wisdom, and leading ourselves closer and closer to freedom from suffering. So we can, we can be reassured that what we're doing in our life is not, not a waste, that we're doing something that is of true value and benefit. So worth uh, reminding ourselves and feeling confident about what we're doing and happy about this and not looking for other things or trying to find another way or, or so. The practice of the Buddhist teaching is to become uh, content with simplicity, content with a life of mental development, always thinking most important is to make yourself a better person or to purify your mind further and further, develop your mind further and further. So this is what we're undertaking here. That is the brief pep talk for tonight. So thank you for listening and now we'll continue with the practice.